This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions. The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frack site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Energy Pipeline. It's me, your host, Jordan Yates. And today we have the privilege of featuring Steve Glanville, the president and CEO of Step Energy Services. We are also joined by one of our co-hosts, Wayne. Today, we're going to explore Step's innovative operations and highlight their transformative Tier 4 Canadian fracturing fleet upgrade program. That was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> Steve, say hello to everybody. Yeah, good morning, everyone. And and thank you, Jordan and Wayne, for uh, for hosting me on this podcast. I'm pretty excited about uh, understanding a little bit more about, I guess, sharing our, a little bit about our business and our technology. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. We're excited to have you here. Wayne, say hello to everybody. It's been a few episodes since they've heard from you. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Good morning and good afternoon. It's good to be back with you. But you didn't say that you missed them. He missed you. He was telling us off air. (laughs) Steve, we want to get straight into your background and learn a little bit more about your journey in the oil field industry and what led you to become the president and CEO of Step Energy Services. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I'll uh, start start at the very beginning, I guess. I was a, a farm kid growing up in northern Saskatchewan. Which is, uh, which of course is, uh, you know, very, very highly productive agricultural uh, area in Canada. And uh, however, when I turned 18, my my dad said, "There's just not enough income for for two of us, so you need to leave." And uh, so I ended up uh, getting uh, or applying to um, SATE, which is a technical college here in Calgary, Alberta. And I uh, received my petroleum engineering technology diploma at that point. And uh, I was able to get uh, recruited by a company called uh, Dowell Slumberjay, which is cor- a course called Slumberjay or SLB today. And so I spent 10 years uh, working for them. Great, uh, amazing company and uh, obviously lots of strengths that they have in, in engineering and technology. So I, I guess it's probably the, the, I would say, the foundation of, of kind of the impetus of, of starting STEP had a lot to do with my training at Slumberjay. Um, and then uh, worked for a few uh, kind of smaller companies, all directly related to completions or upstream side of the, the business, um, you know, fracturing or pressure pumping and coil tubing. And then in 2011, there was an opportunity that came up in front of me to, uh, to me and two other co-founders of, of Step Energy Services, uh, had an opportunity to, to start our company. Uh, we had some, some seed capital given to us. And uh, the thesis behind the business was to to build deep capacity cold tubing units to to really keep up with the longer reach or you know longer lateral wells that were being drilled in in the Western Canadian sedimentary basin. Uh, fast forward a few years, um, 
we uh, decided to get into the pressure pumping business by buying two companies out of bankruptcy uh, protection. One was called Gas Frack, the other was called Sandgel. Um, so that really got us into the pressure pumping business. And at the same time, we decided to move some of our quilt tubing assets into the, to the U.S. Uh, in, in, in the Texas area. And uh, we IPO'd the company, so we're listed on TSX um, in 2017. Uh, we expanded our, our pressure pumping business by buying a private company out of Oklahoma called Tucker Energy Services. And uh, fast forward to today, we are about, call it 1,450 employees, North American-wide. Um, we, we really offer uh, the largest deep capacity quilt tubing company in, uh, in Canada and the U.S. And uh, we have a very, very strong presence in the pressure pumping business, uh, particularly here in Canada. And, uh, and we're focused uh, in West Texas with our pressure pumping fleet in the Permian Basin. So that's a little bit about ourselves uh, in a big mouthful. <laughs> Steve, I think it's a great story of success. Can you share a little bit about what you're doing with your Tier 4 Canadian Fracturing Fleet Upgrade Program? And how has that been significant in the, the growth and the, the transformation of STEPS business? Yeah, Wayne, we've, uh, we've been using um, you know, primarily the, the CAT lineup that we have uh, here in Canada. Uh, we have a, you know, call it... 300,000 horsepower of tier two engines um, that, that we, we purchased kind of through these two acquisitions of Sandgel and Gasfrack. And th- there's, a, there's a cycle that these uh, fracturing pumps, um, particularly the, the capital components, uh, such as the engines go through, and it's usually about a 20,000 hour retirement program that we have. And uh, so this, uh, this technology that Caterpillar offered uh, was a really, I wouldn't say a quick bolt-on, but it was able to refurbish a, an asset base that, uh, that required some you know, upgrading. Uh, we were able to do that, uh, obviously, and uh, they're working in the field today. We have a fleet of uh, 17 pumps that are working in the field today, and we're, we're having great success. And maybe for some of the listeners that don't know, what, what does Tier 4 mean and what did, what did you have before and what makes Tier 4 you know, better or more transformative? Yeah, I mean, the, the Tier 4 engine, uh, I believe it was developed probably five or six years ago, and it's really just increasing the standards from an emission standpoint. And it's kind of a dual fold. You, you get uh, greater emission reduction uh, with this engine from uh, greenhouse gas and NOx and particulates. But also the added benefit with a Tier 4 is we've added uh, dual fuel kits. Um, so dual fuel kits allows you to run not only diesel but also natural gas. And with the, the newer technology of the Tier 4 engines, we're able to get up to 80 to 85% substitution of uh, of our diesel so huge uh, huge benefit of course uh, with um, with us and and to our client yeah yesterday to prep for this episode I was talking to somebody on the step uh, energy services team Christine and Christine was telling me like hey you know a lot of this episode we're about to talk about focuses on like ESG but that's just barely the tip of our value proposition she was saying like you know you guys are very into cost savings for your customers and your reliability and just overall operational efficiency to the point where even once you get your 
materials from uh, manufacturers like Caterpillar, you guys take it a step further in the innovation and the process to where you're almost teaching them how to make their products better. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you all are so innovative? Yeah, I, w- I would say that you know the shale revolution of our industry has has evolved in, in in kind of a short time period. It's really only been call it the past decade that we've been been able to obviously produce um, you know resources in the ground and and doing it better than we ever have been. This industry industry has and what we've done is um, you know looked at the product, uh, looked at every minute that goes into our our day. And uh, to us, it's about efficiency. How do how do we provide a, a you know a service and a product that our clients are are seeing the value of? Um, and it and it's really uptime. You know, we we measure every like I said minute of non-productive time, every minute of um, pumping time. So it's it's allowed us to really look inside of our business using uh, data, and we've been able to incorporate a number of technology pieces to our asset base, um, which of course not only reduces emissions. Um, for example, like we've we've introduced a idle reduction kit, and what that is is very similar to your your pickup truck or your vehicle that you drive at a red light; it shuts off. And in the past, mm. we've had our assets idling probably 30 to 40% of the time, the life of the engine. Now we have that ability, it shuts off when it's not in use. Um, so that's adding obviously longevity of the capital asset, uh, but also reduces emission. And and the second, mo- mo- I would say the second most important part is really the, the preventative maintenance that we've added. It allows us for, um, you know, kind of increased uptime of our assets, um, increased uptime of our operations, and at the end, it provides a, a better margin for us and a better return for our client. I love preventative maintenance. Anytime somebody prioritizes that, it's like, thank goodness, because I know some people will see that as like, oh, that's an extra step. I don't want to have to do that because why not just leave it as is and let the customer deal with it? But the fact you're putting the forethought into that makes me feel very confident in your knowledge and the fact that you guys really do understand your your value proposition. Um, Wayne, what, what do you think about all that? Well, I no, I think it's a great story. Steve, I'd like to understand how you've taken the expertise that your company has developed and, and some of that knowledge and use that co- to collaborate with ENPs. I, I understand that you, you have a program or a partnership with a leading ENP. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how you've brought the skills and the knowledge that you just described into that partnership? Yeah, really unique partnership, Wayne, that we have, but I'll just kind of back up a little bit that our our business, our industry, the pressure pumping business, has uh, has really had a lack of capital discipline. And what that means is when oil prices ramp up and, and clients want to <laughs> go ahead and, and drill, um, it's really easy for the service industry to be enticed on bringing brand new assets to the field. If you can think about just a like today's dollars, it's about $60 million to get a fracturing fleet out in the market today. And... That payback, of course, uh, you model it out. We we hope we get a payback of you know call it under ten years um, is ideal. But how we've structured um, this agreement has uh, has a lot to do uh, with the longevity of the partnership that we've had with it's, the company is called New Vista. They're a you know kind of a mid cap E and P here in in uh, in Canada. 
we've been working with them, you know, really since we started the company, and they they value our uh, what we bring to the well site, um, you know, from a, from a safety perspective, but also from an efficiency perspective. And uh, we approached them, um, you know, really about a year ago, year and a half ago, and talking about this new technology and how this would really help them with their program, uh, reducing their overall costs, increasing their um, re- reduction of emissions. And, uh, and so this partnership, uh, we, we struck the deal back in September of 22. It's a three-year deal. And uh, yeah, we're really happy with uh, how that's turned out. And like I said, we kind of started rolling assets out um, really at the end of 22. And we had everything completed by uh, kind of June of 2023. So really happy on on the performance. I love how you said that you guys are kind of watching, you know, when when oil prices are up, people are making a lot of money that you're kind of like, hey, let's not just spend a lot because I personally am so guilty that anytime, you know, I'm, I'm the classic person, you know, I make some more money, girl, I'm spending more money, like there it goes. And then all of a sudden it's like, why am I not saving? Why am I not prepared for a crisis? You know, so the fact you think about that, because I see it as a, a fun part of the oil and gas industry. I'm like, we just throw money around. It's crazy. But like, that's not exactly great business practices. So to have someone like you guys as a partner is very beneficial, I can imagine, to their strategy. And I'm kind of excited that this leads us into the next question, which is so on point, which says the program that you guys have incorporates cost and availability certainty for the producer. Could you elaborate on how the pricing is linked to commodity prices and the mechanisms in place to manage cost inflation risks? Yeah, it's it's a bit complex. I don't want to get into a whole bunch of detail, but you know the structure was kind of set up that we would have uh, a prepayment, um, you know, from from New Vista, and it, you know, that provided a little bit of uh, teeth in the contract. Um, and it, of course, what we uh, what, what we like about this contract is it is linked to WTI pricing, so it's an index on WTI. So. As they as WTI increases, of course, we're able to gain uh, gain better margin in in the business, um, and everybody wins. And of course, when and when WTI drops a little bit, we're able to kind of shave a bit of our costs, and allows them to continue to operate uh, and and you know kind of finish their capital program. So it's a kind of a three year outlook, and it's it's locked in uh, basically, and we're really happy with uh, with the margins that we are uh, receiving. Well, that, that's really interesting and innovative. And I think often about how shales are such a, a short cycle business with these ups and downs. And it sounds like you found a way to, to mute some of those impacts and still successfully go forward with business. Yeah, Wayne, uh, as I mentioned, uh, like we've been investing in tier two dual fuel for quite some time. And uh, with that, we've we've kind of built a, a, a software that allows us to get maximum uh, natural gas substitution to our engines. Uh, we've rolled that into, uh, so it's a proprietary system that we use. We've rolled that into the, the latest tier four technology. And uh, what we're seeing is, you know, on a full year of, of using this asset base, our clients can save up to $10 million of diesel cost. And, you know, of course, that's uh, that's a big driver of, uh, of our clients wanting to use this, this newer asset base. But also, it's a it's a dual fold with um, you know reducing emissions, and uh, of course that's 
we're seeing more and more regulations um, that uh, that I think our industry obviously needs to be in the forefront of, and uh, and this technology allows us to do that. Saving ten million dollars is a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for it sure. Is. That, and then when you're also helping them be better for the environment, it seems like a win-win all around. Um, it seems though that you guys also have some industry leading, if you will, tier two dual fuel kits. Um, how are these contributing to your goal of, I believe having 65% of your asset base being dual fuel capable by the end of 2023, is it? Yeah, that is correct. We will have 65% of our assets, um, you know, our pressure pumping assets that will be on natural gas. And I, I think one thing that our clients, our, our E&P companies are, are getting really great at, and that is providing natural gas back to the well site. So it's not being carted by, um, you know, a CNG trailer or, or LNG trailer. It's actually plumbed, you know, really from the... the um, you know, from the plants back to the well site. And and you think about some of these wells that were, or pads that we're working on there, you know, we're, we're there for you know upwards of 60 days on a well site. And when you can have natural gas being um, kind of used primarily as a, as a fuel, uh, it's, a, it's a big savings. And, you know, when I talk about our tier two technology, we've, uh, we differentiated ourselves to our clients with that technology. And it's really due to that pressure pumping software that we have. Um, it's, it ties within our whole fleet and it's really setting the, the, you know, the optimization, um, to, to get these engines working at a higher natural. Why? And I'm just going to ask a, maybe a, a dumb, silly question, but maybe in case the audience doesn't understand. So you're having these dual fuel ones, you have diesel, you have natural gas, is wh- why is diesel still there? Is it because it's like kind of more robust? It's stronger. It's better. Like, where do you find that balance? And like, what's the benefit of both fuel types? Yeah, I, we we think there's a market for for diesel fleets. Or I believe there always will be. It's uh, we have clients that you know probably don't have the infrastructure set up. Um, so so maybe some smaller ENP companies. And uh, so we do believe that there's a market for that. Uh, diesel is obviously extremely flexible. Um, we carry it on our units itself. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, you don't need that infrastructure uh, like what we see with a large, a lot of the larger ENP companies. So I, uh, I believe that there's still a, a market for that. Um, when you look at the overall U.S. market and and Canadian market, in that fact, it just it's leading more towards how do you get as 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 efficient as possible and from a cost saving perspective, that's really the the main driver behind. Thanks this. for answering that. I know that wasn't a, a question we gave you ahead of time, but as we were going through, I was just like, I yeah. I wonder. Sometimes I forget. You know, this is an educational podcast, and I like to assume that maybe our listeners don't know everything about every technology. And I, you know, sometimes I have to bite the bullet and ask the, the questions because for me, I mean, if I'm being honest. I'm not an expert at that either. So I like to know more about it because I, I did mechanical engineering at school and I should know all these engines a lot better, but man, it has been a long time and I do not remember everything. <laughs> There's been a lot of technology, Jordan, that's been implemented, not only in, in our industry, of course, you, you drive an automobile and, and the technology is staggering where you can let go of a steering wheel now and it will take you from point A to point B. So I'm not quite trustworthy of that yet. (laughs) I mean, I almost am because I think 
that it's probably better than I am at driving. Cause I mean, if it can stop hitting <laughs> curves for me, I I'm in, I'm sold, but you know, for now I'm, I'm steering my own car. But anyways, Wayne, get us back on track. What's the next question? <laughs> well, yeah, I, Steve, I'd like to understand, you know, as you talk about natural gas as a fuel and the flexibility that comes with that, you know, what is step energy services, you know, vision around helping the energy industry, not only meet, global demand, but promote some of the environmental stewardship that's so important to what we talk about? I, I think this is a global challenge that we have as our industry and even as consumers of product. And um, to me, <laughs> if, if I know I'm getting natural gas or, or even fuel from North American sources versus global sources, I know it's at a higher standard. And and we have a huge benefit, and uh, it really comes down to our, our natural resources that, that we've been able to extract. They're prolific, they're long-lasting, um, and having the, the ability to provide that to the, to the rest of the globe is really important. And I, uh, I see a lot of investment uh, being put into, obviously, LNG in the U.S., um, it's uh, it's, it's going to be quite remarkable over the next, call it five years to the end of this decade, on how much LNG is going to be exported out of the U.S. Uh, in Canada, we're just starting that right now. We're we're a few years behind uh, the U.S. on on exporting our natural resources, um, liquefying natural gas, and sending it over to other markets. And I think I don't know. I look at it as a um, you know it, it's it's a global. It's a global crisis, if you want to look at it as a crisis from a climate change perspective, and we need to do our part. Um, people aren't going to stop using energy. Uh, it's, it's, we, we need to create low-cost, efficient, and green energy, and I think uh, North America is, is you know, set up the best position of anybody to provide that. To I really love natural gas. I, I think when I first got into the oil and gas industry, I really didn't understand it. I'm like, don't we just want oil? Like, what's up with the gas? Like, how does that work? And now it seems that natural gas, I mean, it's always been prevalent, but it's becoming more and more a part of the, the conversation to where, I mean, maybe in the next 10 years, it's going to be the gas and oil industry. Guess we'll just have to, to wait and see there and change those around. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you, Jordan. It's uh, it's a fuel that we have an abundance of, um, and uh, I just I just think uh, you know deep down we need to use more of it, and we're starting to look at natural gas, straight natural gas driven engines, not only on our 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 equipment that's stationary in the field, but also our rolling stock up and down the road. If we can convert that to natural gas, I think there's technologies that we're looking at right now. It sounds very exciting. So we have a question about sort of your latest innovations in engines and frack pumps, because you guys are showing, you know, commitment to staying at the forefront of technology in this industry, if you will. Can you share any future plans or initiatives that you guys have um, coming up with the thought of operational efficiency or sustainability in mind? 
Yeah, I mean, we have a team of professionals, and, and I just want to clarify the word professionals. We use that throughout all of our organization. Um, it is, is something that we use as a tagline. Um, we believe people that work for STEP are, are in a different category than our, our competitors. Um, I'll, I'll stand by that today. So we we use the word professionals um, often. And we've been looking at a lot of things um, to really de- improve our efficiencies on our on our every facet of our job using AI technology, um, using, um, you know, like I mentioned before, categorizing every minute of a 24-hour day and how do we get uh, the most efficient operation. And I, you know, we're, we're pumping on average 22 hours a day. And when you back up two years ago, we were seeing 17, 18 hours a day. And two years before, prior to that was 13, 14 hours a day. So when you look at it, we're doing more with less time and with the same asset base. So I believe, you know, with the asset base that we have currently today, um, we can get up to 80 to 85% utilization on that asset base. And that that will kind of obviously provide, um, you know, shareholder return for for our shareholders, as well as uh, create an extremely efficient business. Well, at the risk of channeling my inner Jordan Yates. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> you know, she often says, I love to hear that. But, Steve, I, I love to hear how you've talked about data. You've talked about technology. You've talked about some of the maintenance practices and the expertise. Uh, you just touched on your workforce. How do you envision the oil and gas industry evolving? And then what role does Step Energy Services play? play in driving positive change? Yeah. God, that's a (laughs) big question. But uh, Wayne, I I really think, you know, if I were to kind of dream a little bit, right, what does the future look like? And, you know, labor has obviously been a big challenge for our industry. And it, it has a lot to do with the cyclicality of our business you know it's busy one minute the next minute of course it drops and it's it's not sustainable um you know in today's labor market and so for us it's okay how do we create you know a you know a longer future and uh that's you know contracts like what we've set up today um you know with new vista and others it provides that stable environment but uh, I see us looking at AI technology to, you know, perhaps reduce some uh, workforce on location. Per- perhaps look at uh, ways to to really automate uh, processes to kind of be completely automatic, uh, automatic, and just, you know, I think that gives you a, a better product at the end of the day. Well, I, I, you might have felt like it was a big question, but I think you gave us a big answer into the future there, Jordan. Any thoughts or follow up? I love to hear that. <laughs> I just want to. I, I just want to add one, one of our coal tubing units that we just built uh, not too long ago. Uh, we've designed it to to operate on a computer in a what? in a desk in Calgary. Uh, we haven't done that yet, but ideally, that's where you want to get to, and you can kind of you know create um, you know create a standard process. And um, our industry has been plagued with you know not not training properly. Uh, I, I believe that we are way beyond that today. We've uh, put a lot of time and resources into training and uh, we have an extremely high retention rate within our company. Um, but I think the next step is really, how do you create 
um, you know, these assets to be able to run auto, um, you know, just on its own with uh, parameters put in place. So I, I think that's where we're going to see the next kind of five years. Well, that, that's really exciting technology. And thanks for sharing that here with us on this pod today. I know. I feel Automated like. Automated coil tubing. I feel like everyone's going to be like, how, how can I be yeah. a professional at Step Energy Services? Where's the link to apply? Like, I, I feel like you guys sound like a really cool company to work for. And you're on the, the forefront of so much innovation. It's it's very exciting. So I, I like seeing that in our industry. And I think something that really hits home for me is the fact that you guys aren't only so um, concentrated on the actual product development, but the whole business aspect of it too, and making sure that it is a sustainable business model and being aware of the fluctuations of the industry. So to me, that just speaks so much to your guys' competency. And like you said, you guys are, uh, what was it? A step above the rest, something like that. Uh, is, is that why, why your step energy services? I, I don't know, but I, I like it. <laughs> Yeah, our our just to our four core values are kind of made up of our name step, and it's safety, trust, execution, and possibilities, and and we use the word possibilities quite often as well as you know gives you that op- opportunity to dream a little bit, and uh, you know I, I we have a very very eager team and engaged workforce, and I'm extremely uh, I guess grateful to be in a position that we are today. We went through some tough times with COVID, the whole industry had, and uh, yeah, absolutely excited about the future uh, with the company. And, and That's and great. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the Energy Pipeline and allowing us to get to know you all and teaching our listeners more about these cool technologies. Wayne, thanks for being on today. Guys, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time on the Energy Pipeline. Come back next week for another episode of the Energy Pipeline, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.